You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. This morning, I want to kind of just finish up uh, these last couple of uh, I shouldn't say weeks because it's kind of been pretty broken up, but I kind of had been uh, talking on again just about the identity, the role, the function uh, of the body, soul, and spirit. And I kind of want to wrap that uh, up this morning. Um, and again, we've been talking about uh, what Paul said there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And there he says, "...and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly." And again, I just want you to understand and just underscore that that is part of God's plan and purpose for your life is to sanctify you wholly. And he says, I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, part of God's plan for your life and for my life is that our whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, faultless until Jesus comes back again. So if that's God's plan and purpose, if that's his will uh, for each believer, then I also believe he has a way and a plan to make that happen. God doesn't just say, this is what I'm going to do. He also says, here's how I'm going to do it. And that's what I want to talk about today. And again, just as a refresher from previous weeks, I promise you, I'm not going to uh, spend a lot of time on this. But for those of you that maybe are, are new uh, to these messages, I kind of want to just give you uh, a, a little bit of a foundation. The body is the physical part of you, okay? It's your flesh and blood. It's the part of you that reflects in a mirror. And because of sin and rebellion against God, starting with Adam and Eve clear back there in the Garden of Eden and continuing down through all generations to us here today, because of that, the physical body is dead or it's constantly moving toward death. So your body, the physical part of you, it is the container. It contains the spirit and the body. Paul talks about that we also contain this treasure in earthen vessel. That treasure is the Holy Spirit. We contain the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is happening inside of you because the Holy Spirit lives and is alive inside of you. And so that's why, again, every Sunday, every day is Pentecost Sunday because the Holy Spirit has been given freely and fully for every one of us in this place. So our, our physical body, it is the container of the spirit and the soul. And so for the sake of illustration, again, your body is likened to the child in the house. And like a child, our, our bodies are demanding attention. We're tired, we're hungry, we're cold, we're thirsty. Uh, we're always kind of wanting our own way. We kind of want to be the center of the universe. Now your soul part, that is from the shoulders up. And that is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions, your conscience, your personality. It refers to the thinking feeling part of you. 
whereas the body is dead or is always kind of moving toward death, the soul is the part of you that needs to be restored, renewed, and uh, renovated. And we're gonna talk more about that in just a moment. And as you know, just as the child, uh, the body is the child in the house, the soul can be likened to a teenager living in the house. If you've ever had teenagers in your house, you kind of have already a good idea of what I'm talking about there. Again, teenagers, and again, it's just part of being a teen. We all went through this. We think we know everything. We know more than our parents, um, and we certainly know more than the adults around us. Like a teenager, you know, your soul, it gets offended. Uh, it gets embarrassed. It, it rebels, especially if the spirit or the adult wants you to do something that's not acceptable, you know, outside of its comfort zone or something that's odd. God. Again, your soul is the teenager in the house and it just naturally wants to rebel against all leadership and all authority of the adult of the spirit. Now, the spirit is the essence of, of you. The spirit is the real you. And it is the God receptor. It is the part of you that was created to be able to have a relationship, fellowship, to be able to receive wisdom, revelation, and guidance from God. Your body, your soul cannot do that. Only your spirit man can receive wisdom, revelation, guidance uh, from the Holy Spirit. Again, this is uh, what Paul is referring to, the spirit man, uh, when he talks about uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So the minute you are born again, once you have professed faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your spirit, which was dead, now becomes fully alive, complete, and perfect. Okay? Your spirit is now a new creation that no longer needs to be fixed. It only needs to grow, mature, and release. And we're gonna talk more about that in a moment as well. Just as the uh, child, um, the body is the child in the house, the soul is the teenager in the house, the spirit is likened to the adult in the house. Now the spirit is the part of you, again, your body, your soul cannot do this. Your spirit is what has complete and total access to spiritual information and knowledge that your body and soul are not able to grasp or receive. Your spirit man is that part of you that God created to receive wisdom, counsel, revelation, and guidance from God. It's the reason that the adult, the spirit, should exercise control and authority over the body and the soul. So there again, you just have a brief snapshot of the three parts that make up each one of us, body, soul, and spirit. And the problem many of us encounter in our personal lives are some of the same problems we face in our homes. Which of these three are gonna be in control? Which one of these three are gonna run the house? 
Is the child, the body in control calling the shots? Is the teenager's soul, is that in charge in running the show? Or is it the spirit, the adult, exercising authority and control over the child and the teenager making choices in line and in harmony with God's word. Again, we make the choice. We've been given free will. We choose which of those three are gonna be in control. And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter five, verse 25, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. That's the body. With the affections and lust, that's the soul. If we live in the spirit, that's the adult. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk or be authoritative or you know, exercise control in the spirit. So in order for you and I to walk and to live in the spirit as Paul's calling us to there, you have to make the choice. And, and again, if you don't make the choice, you're gonna make the choice by default. Okay, so you actively have to make the choice who is going to be in charge. Is the spirit leading? Is the spirit in control? And not the body and not the soul. So this morning, I wanna spend the remainder of our time talking about how do we make that transition from walking and living out of the body-soul realm more and more fully into the spirit realm. As I said last week, nobody does this perfectly, okay? We're all in transition. We all have moments in our lives where we're reacting out of our body. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. It's amazing how quickly that child comes to the forefront and responds. We've all uh, had moments where we're responding out of our, our teenager. You know, it's about me. What about me? What about my feelings? I mean, we, we all have those moments. The goal here is that we have those kinds of moments where we're responding out of the child, out of the teenager, uh, the, the, the body, the soul, and we're, we're, we're getting more and more and more uh, where we're responding, we're exercising authority and control uh, through our spirit. And so again, how do we do that? Because the only way that we can walk and live in the spirit, again, as Paul calls us to there in Galatians 5.25, is the adult has to be in control of and exercising authority over the body and the soul. And every one of us here who have had the body, child, and soul teenager running our lives know it is no easy transition in changing uh, the leadership of your house, right? As a matter of fact, you need to be prepared for all out war because the body and the soul, if it's been used to being in charge and exercising control, even though if it's just over certain areas, uh, again, it's not gonna cede that territory easily. They've been sharing control far too long to just peacefully hand it over uh, to the spirit. And Paul acknowledges this in Romans seven fifteen, And he says, for what I am doing, I do not understand for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. And again, Paul's recognizing, you know, there were aspects of Paul's life where he was probably responding out of the body, out of the soul, from the child, from the teenager, 
And he said, for the willing or the desire to do good is present in me, but the doing of good or the actuality of that is not. For the good that I want, I don't do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. And again, so go, Paul's recognizing there, there's this struggle, there's this wrestling between the spirit man and between the body and the soul. And he says, each one of those is constantly waging battle for control. Now, if that happened in the apostle Paul's life, we need to fully expect and anticipate that's going to be happening in our lives as well. In second, or 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul acknowledges, I discipline my body and make it my slave. Enslaved to what? Enslaved to whom? He's talking about, I enslave it to the spirit man. I, I, I'm, giving my, my, I'm giving the Holy Spirit complete control over my soul and my body. So my point being is, this is no easy task. And if you go into thinking this is really no big deal, this is really, really easy, eventually you will just give up out of frustration and failure because you have wholly underestimated the battle and your opponents. And that's why I believe most addiction treatment programs fail to help individuals either achieve or maintain sobriety or to be drug-free because they have totally underestimated the battle and they're unprepared and unable to be victorious in the long term. The most important spiritual principle that is absolutely essential for us to do in order for the spirit man to be in control and to exercise authority over the child, over the body and soul is the renewing of your mind. You will never, ever, ever make any progress in your spiritual walk with God and you'll never ever grow mature as a Christian without renewing your mind. And this is what Paul's referring to there in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And he says, do not be conformed to this world. Okay, that's what the child, that's what the teenager does. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may experience what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The truth is the perfect will of God cannot be experienced apart from mind renewal. Now that word transform that Paul uses there in Romans 12 too, it's the Greek word metamorpho and it's where we kind of get our English word metamorphosis and that simply means that's the process where a caterpillar goes uh, up, up and becomes a butterfly. The same is true with us. We will never ever fully mature and experience all that God has for us apart from the renewing of our minds. Now, mind renewal is not just changing the way we think. That's an important part of it. But there's more to mind renewal than that. Part of mind renewal is where you just have a complete exchange of identity. It's making that transition from living and rooting our identity in the body, soul, 
to living and establishing our identity solely in the spirit adult. And, and again, that is a process that begins the minute you're born again and it continues throughout the rest of your life. So mind renewal, it really goes beyond just changing the way we think. Mind renewal is also more than just reading or hearing the word of God. As I said last week, you can read the word of God. You can memorize scriptures. You can collect all kinds of knowledge about God and still not know God. As a matter of fact, Paul kind of cautions us against that. And he says in, in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that knowledge about God for sake of just knowledge about God basically leads to pride and arrogance. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 through 24, again, gives us more insight on what it really looks like to have renewed minds. And Paul says, in reference to your former manner of life, when you were living as a child or a teenager, he said, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust, that's the soul, of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. So again, when you get, when you get born again, Paul says you become a new creation. You have put on the new self. The old has passed. Behold, all things are new. So he says, you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now again, that word renew there that Paul uses in Ephesians 4 uh, is, the, is a Greek word which literally means to renovate or to completely reform. Colossians chapter 3, 9 through 10 says, do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, there again, there's that old self, new self. And he says that new self is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And again, that word renewed there, it is the same Greek word Paul used there in Romans 12 too, and it simply means renovate. If you've ever renovated anything in your home, you can get a pretty good idea of what's involved in this work. If you've ever renewed a room in your house, you simply don't put the new stuff on top of the old stuff, right? Here's a picture of our kitchen that we remodeled. Uh, Janie and I did this about a year ago. And that, I'll be honest with you, was the most difficult part of the process for me, was the ripping out the old. I was comfortable with it. I liked it. It worked for me. But again, in order for us to renovate or to reform that kitchen, we had to tear out everything that was old. Now I'll tell you the other hard part of that was once you get it to this point, there's no returning, there's no going back, there's no, there's no putting all of that stuff back in, especially the way we tore it out. It was pretty violent the way we tore that out. It came out in pieces, in splinters. There was no going back, we're in, we're committed. 
And that's what God's calling us to, a process in which there's no going back. There's no fixing it. There's no covering up over that, you know, putting the new stuff on the old stuff. Paul's saying you first have to remove the old stuff before you can apply the new stuff. Renewing the mind is a process of locating the bad, the incorrect information, the lies, and forcefully tearing it out and removing it while putting in a new, solid, truthful, righteous, holy information about your spiritual identity. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about here. I was at a meeting a couple of years ago and we were kind of going around the room and we were introducing ourselves. And this one older man, and I would guess him to be probably about in his 80s. And here's how he introduced himself. He said, hello, my name is Gus. That wasn't his real name. I'm just protecting his identity. He says, hello, my name is Gus and I'm an alcoholic. And then he quickly added this in there. He said, well, I've been sober for over uh, 30 years. Now this man's a Christian and he continues to identify with the old self, who he was before he became a Christian. I understand the idea behind this and I'm not against all of that, but with all due respect, this just isn't biblical. It's like an anchor that keeps him tied to his past. All the while Christ has forgiven him, Christ has given him a new identity, he has forgiven him and freed him from all of that. I mean, it was over 30 years ago. There comes a point where you just gotta move on. You gotta let go of it. And you got to take hold of your new identity, who you are now in Christ. Not what you once were, but who you are now. That would be like me saying to you, hello, my name is Jeff and I'm single. And all of you would be sitting there thinking, no, you're married and you've been married going on 29 years. And I could respond to that and say, well, yeah, but I spent the first 32 years of my life single before I got married, so I've been single a lot longer than I've been married. See, the day I got married, my identity changed. If you're married, the day you got married, your identity changed. You went from being single to being married. And the day you became a Christian, the day you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your identity changed. Whatever you may have been before you came to Christ, you no longer are because Christ has given you a new identity and we are invited, we are called to embrace and to walk in that new identity. I mean, again, it's fine to be thankful and give witness to the fact that God has delivered you from a past life of alcoholism or drug addiction. You know, if God's delivered you from, you know, any kind of addiction, it can be eating, shopping, whatever. Whatever it was that God delivered you from, whatever it was that he brought you out of, that is in the past. That is not who you are anymore. 
And again, it's time to tear out and to forcefully remove those past identities, those past thought patterns that were a part of your old nature and begin now to replace those with your new identity of who you are in Christ. That's what Paul says, the old has passed away, let it go. Behold, all things are new. Embrace that and walk in that. That's part of what it means to have your mind renewed. It's tearing out the old, even if it's got to be done forcefully and replacing it with the new. Sometimes I think the reason we continue to refer to ourselves in past identities is because we're more comfortable and more familiar with who we were than who we are in Christ. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. This is who we are. This is who you are. If you are in Christ, this is who you are. And that is a change of identity that requires a change in our thinking. Get rid of and forcefully remove the thinking that you were rooted in as strangers and aliens. And you need to begin to replace that with thinking that roots you and establishes you as fellow saints and as a part, a member of the family of God. I'll listen to some people kind of give their testimonies and they'll spend 95% of the time talking about their life as a stranger and an alien and less than 5% of the time talking about their new identity in Christ. It really should be flipped. It should be the other way around. We need to spend most of our testimony talking about what God is doing in our lives. I don't need to know what you were like as a sinner because I was probably the same or, or just as worse than you. What encourages people, what gives people hope is telling what God is now doing as that new creation, what God is doing in your life now. And again, Christ has not called us to live as we were. He has called us to live as we are, fully alive in him. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 17. He said, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. In other words, the futility of their soul, the futility of their thinking, the futility of their knowledge, the futility of walking as a teenager. Paul continues being darkened in their understanding. And again, you can have knowledge about God and still be darkened in your understanding how to apply that, how to live that out, how to walk that out. If you live and root your identity based on your relationship with God out of your soul, out of your knowledge, out of your mind realm, you will be darkened in your understanding is what Paul's saying. You won't know what to do with it. I know people who read the Bible all the time, but they don't have the faintest idea what it means. They don't know how to apply it. Paul says they lack 
understanding. Paul continues being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Now that phrase there, every kind of impurity with greediness, is interesting. What I believe Paul is trying to convey there is the idea that you will become greedy in whatever sins you are committing. Have you ever noticed a person who eventually gets caught shoplifting that it started with a little bit at a time? And the more they did it, the bigger and the more expensive the items became and the more frequent they did it. That is impurity with greediness. You become greedy in the sins you've committed. What you once had, you just want more of it and you want it more often. And whatever the sin is, again, you'll start by doing it once every few weeks and then gradually you'll move to two or three times every few weeks. Then as the greediness takes hold, you'll do it four or five times every week. That's the idea there. Verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you again lay aside the old self. There again, Paul's very good at, at just bringing that distinction between the old self and the new self. And he says that new self, it's being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And he says that you will be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God that has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. So there is clearly a call, a biblical mandate for us to lay aside the old self and to more and more put on and walk in the new self. And again, Paul's saying that is the spirit part of you. And he says that part of you, that spirit is no longer corrupted. Remember the moment you became born again, your spirit which was dead, alienated, distanced from God is now come fully alive and it is fully complete. It is perfect. Verse 25 now gets down to the practical application of everything Paul's been saying to this point. He says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, which again, that's the old self. That's how the child, the teenager, talks and thinks and reasons there. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I think it would do the church good if we ever just took some time to sit down and think through, talk through, and begin to live as people who are committed one to another. We kind of seem to be in a society where there, it's just isolation is becoming more and more and more common, where we're kind of becoming an island unto himself unto ourselves. The Bible doesn't call us to that. It calls us into accountability. It calls us into fellowship. It's calling us to understand that what hurts you hurts me. What affects you affects me. He's calling us to come together as brothers and sisters, as part of the family of God. 
See, the old self would rather have you kind of just living life on your own, on your own terms, doing your own thing out there. And Paul's saying, we now as believers, we have this righteous obligation. We have this holy invitation. We have this responsibility to, to be able to go to a fellow believer and to be able to offer correction, to be able to offer a rebuke if that's needed, to be able to offer encouragement, exhortation, and not just offer it, but we also need to be able to receive that. That's part of being uh, in a community, a, a family of God. It's that we have the humility to not only be able to speak the truth in love, but to receive the truth in love. It's always easier when you're rebuking or correcting uh, someone else, right? And it's always harder when that rebuke or that correction comes at us. But you'll never be able to give it if you can't receive it. And the only way that you're ever going to really be able to receive rebuke, correction, is with humility. Even if they're wrong, the ability just to hear them out and to pray about it and to thank them that they cared enough, they loved you enough to share that with you. In the renewing of our minds, we've got to renovate the way we used to think and regard sin as unbelievers. We've got to rip that out. We've got to forcefully remove the old thinking and the ungodly ways. And we have to replace those old patterns, those old ways of thinking with new righteous patterns that mirror and uphold righteousness and godliness. Verse 26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Before you became a Christian, or maybe you're just a brand new Christian and you know you're dropping F-bombs and obscenities. Maybe you threw things, you slammed doors, punched a hole in the wall, or worse, you took your anger out on somebody else by hitting them. Maybe you'd get angry and not speak to that person for days or weeks. Maybe you retaliated and thought of ways to get back to retaliate against them. Again, Paul's saying that's the old man. That's the old way. That's the child. That's the teenager coming out as a brand new born again Christian whose spirit is now fully alive unto God. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you. We are being given the invitation, the expectation to let go of the old self, to embrace the new self. Let go of the old ways, embrace the new ways. Now, Paul says when you, uh, when you get angry, and again, he, he doesn't say don't get angry. He says when you do become angry, just don't sin with it. Anger is a normal reaction. Every one of us have felt anger. Even Jesus felt anger, but he was able to experience that anger and deal with it in a way that caused him not to sin. So again, we're being called as we renew our minds to renovate, to rip up, to forcefully remove old barriers and patterns. So let me just close with, with this. As you look within, as, as this morning is again, we just open our hearts, we just open our spirits, we invite the Holy Spirit again to search us, to know us, 
to try us, the scripture says, in all of our ways. So as we, as we invite, as we allow, as we give the Holy Spirit access to our hearts, to our spirit man this morning, let me just ask you this. What is it in me, what is it in you that needs restoration this morning? What part of you, born again, living for God, but still kind of allowing that old nature, that child, that teenager, maybe to call the shots in one or more areas of your life. What, what part of that this morning, maybe you just need to ask God, God, I just need you to forcefully rip that out. What sinful thoughts, maybe what, what behavior patterns need to just be Remodeled, And here's the thing, God can do whatever you allow him to do in accordance with his word and whatever you're willing to cooperate with him in. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, for we are laborers together with God. We're co-workers together with God. God invites us into this process this morning. There's a part God's gonna do and there's a part we're gonna do. And we know God is faithful. He's gonna do his part. And when we just faithfully submit, surrender ourselves and, and do the part we're being called to do, God does his part, we do our part. Transformation comes. Change comes. God comes and is glorified and he is exalted and he begins to, again, help us walk more and more in our spirit man. And as we do that, we'll begin to see more and more of God's plans, purposes, and will for our life uh, being accomplished. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand this morning. Father, as I said again, uh, every heart, every spirit is laid wide open to you this morning, God. Whatever we think is hidden, whatever we think is unknown, is fully seen and fully known by you. And God, again, we thank you this morning that you don't leave us in a place of condemnation. Because of Christ Jesus, because of your son, we are no longer in condemnation and so this morning, Father, we just, we, we rebuke the enemy. We, we rebuke the lies that somehow we are in condemnation with you, Father. We're not. Because of Christ, we are that new creation. And part of that new creation right now is just being renewed more and more into the image of your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that that is a process and it's a process that you are committed to. Your word says, uh, Father, that um, we are again called as sons and daughters and that you who have begun a good work in us, that you are faithful to complete that work. And so Father, this morning, whatever areas we recognize this morning, whatever your Holy Spirit is highlighting this morning, Father, we come from no place of condemnation. We come in obedience. We come through the invitation, the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. And we recognize that we are powerless to change that area of our life. And this morning, Father, again, as we just repent, 
as we turn from those old ways, those old patterns, those old thoughts, as we repent, as we turn of that, and again, re- embrace our new identity, our new self, our new thoughts that come from you, our new identity that comes from you, that, Father, you will then enable and empower us to walk more and more in the Spirit. That is our hope. That is our goal. That is our calling this morning. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the opportunity to partner with you this morning that greater is he that is in us, that Holy Spirit in us, than he that is in the world, Father. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and living within us and that together with you, Father, we can do all things, that nothing is impossible to you. So Father, I just ask, Lord, that each one of us would just be open to the leading and the guiding of your Holy Spirit, that as you are faithful to us, that we will be faithful to you we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.